listening to Connection Church's podcast. Last week we prayed for um, our church. We pray that we complete the work that God's given us to do. This week we want to pray a little broader, a little wider for our community and for other churches in our community. Um, and so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to just get in groups of three to five people. If you get six, we won't kick you out, but you can get three to five people and, and we're going to pray. Listen, I, I understand for many people, this is an awkward time. Um, it's a little weird uh, for some of us. When I was new in church and just starting to attend church, it was very weird and awkward for me to be, be in something like this. And so I understand that. So if you're not comfortable with that, we're going to ask you if you would just stay in your seat and you can pray the things that are going to be on the screen from your seat. But if you're comfortable getting together with other folks and just beginning to pray together as this series is talking about and as we look at prayer, um, I'm going to ask you to do that. We've got about two to three minutes that we're going to spend in prayer. So if you will, just break up into groups and, and get with some folks. And most likely you'll have somebody in there that likes to pray out loud and uh, it won't all be on you. So um, if not, just stay in your seat and be praying. And we're going to be back together here in just a, just a couple of minutes. All right, let's break up. Go ahead and get back to our seats.
We'll jump in the message here. Before we do, I want you to listen to the words of this song one more time. Um, Chase is going to sing it for us. I'm not going to sing it, um, but Chase is going to sing it. <laughs> Somebody said thank you. That's just rude. They must have stood in front of me during church before. Um, but anyway, we're going to. I want you to just listen to the words one time, real quick. Precious is the flower that made me white as snow. You're all I want. You're all I want. You made me new again, rising up from the sand. You're all I want. You're all I want. I love the last part of that where he just says, You're all I want. You're all I want. Today, that's a lot of what we're talking about. And I wonder if our heart is, Jesus, you're all I want. We can sing those words and we can go through the motions, but I wonder if that's our heart because that's what I want my heart to be. That's what I'm hungry for my heart to be. Jesus, you're all I want. I want more of you. My prayer is today that that's not where you're at. Maybe part of your prayer during this service is God, make my heart that way. Make me want more of you, more than anything else in this world, God. Make me want you more. Make me hungry for you. And so today, as we go through the message, maybe that's the cry of your heart. God, I want more. I want more. If that's not your heart, ask God to make it your heart. God's been doing something weird in my heart lately. I haven't even really put my finger on it yet as to what exactly he's doing, but I know he's creating a hunger in me, a greater hunger for more of him. And so today, let that be the cry of our heart. Let that be what we're after as we open his word and as we continue to worship him in that way. Our prayer is that every one of us would grow in our hunger and our desire and our passion for Jesus. If you have your Bibles, we're going to continue looking at the Gospel of John in chapter 17. It says in verse 6, we'll read the first few verses of this next section. We're going to be in 6 through 19. And then we'll talk about these first few verses and we'll read a little more. In verse six, it says, and this is Jesus praying to the Father. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for your word. God, you're good to us. You're awesome. God, let our hearts be filled with joy and gratitude for who you are. And make it our hearts cry that you're all we want. You, we want more of you, Lord. We want to see you work more. We want more of your presence in our lives. We want to see your face, God. Show us your glory, Jesus, that we can behold you. God, as you invite us to come boldly before your throne of grace, let these words that we hear in the next few minutes, God, speak to our hearts. Let it pierce our hearts. Let it do in us what only you can do, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you for the work that you'll do, for the God that you are. We thank you for your, just your love for us, God. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Um, I wonder how many of us, just to get this started, how many of us have ever thought we knew somebody and they kind of didn't turn out to be who we thought we knew? You ever had that happen? Yeah, probably. Um, if you married that person, they're sitting next to you. Don't let them know that, right? Not right now. Y'all handle that outside of here. Um, but anyway, uh, the thing that I was thinking about this week, I had an example of that. One, uh, one time when I was, I guess it was between my sophomore year and my junior year of college, uh, I was playing on a summer baseball team between our fall practices and our spring season. Um, a lot of times we would go play in different places and I wasn't very good. So I didn't go to any of the cool places. So I just went to Augusta. Um, not that Augusta's not cool if you're from there, but the thing is I, I didn't get to go off very far. Um, and so I went to Augusta and I was playing in a summer league, uh, a little summer league that they had up there and in that surrounding area. And there was a guy who would ride with me uh, every time we would go up for practice or for a game or whatever, he would always ride with me. And I started getting to know this guy and I thought, you know, he's a pretty cool guy. Thought I got to know him pretty well. And then um, one day after practice, he says, hey, let's run by the grocery store. I'm hungry. And I'm thinking, why don't we go to McDonald's, right? That, that makes more sense to me than the grocery. I'm like, is he taking me on a picnic? I didn't know what he was doing, right? And so we go uh, to the grocery store. And my first clue should have been when I pulled up to the door to let him out. He said, hey, just sit right here for a second. I was like, all right, all right, yeah, dumb, naive me sitting there in the car uh, driving the Grey Ghost. It was a 1983 Honda Accord. We called it the Grey Ghost because it just wouldn't die. It just kept on going, right? And uh, so, so we're sitting there in the Grey Ghost waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, here he comes kind of with a little pep in his step. He gets in the car. He says, take off, man, take off. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? He's like, just go, just go. And so I thought, you know, I got the fan belt squeaking you know, everything, the, the ghost is coming apart. And, and I'm like, what are you doing? Well, he reaches down into his um, jogging pants, his sweatpants, and pulls out this thing of deli meat about this long. And I was like, why is it in your, why you got that in your pants, right? And he's like, because I stole it, you know, or something. And I was like, well, why did you steal it? He said, because I'm hungry. I was like, well, why didn't you pay for it? He said, I didn't have any money. And I was like, well, I would have given you money because now I'm a comp an accomplice to this theft, right? And so I'm driving the getaway car. And, and I thought I knew this guy, but I really didn't know him, right? Until, until some of these things started coming out and I started seeing some different things about him. And it kind of seemed like the more I got to know him, the less I trusted him and the less that I, I felt like I needed to be around him. Uh, to take the reverse of that now, think about how it is with God. The more we get to know God, the more we get to see who God is, the more we, we, we press into God, the more um, we go after him, the more we end up loving him, the more we end up wanting more of him, the more we, we begin to understand of God. And listen, the greater the revelation of who God is, the greater um, our passion and our draw towards him. We don't get closer to God and go, I don't think I want any more of that. When we draw close to God, we draw close to him and we want more and more and more and more as he reveals more and more and more of himself to us. That's what I want us to get in, in our hearts today. That's what I want you to hear today is, is that as we pray, part of our prayer is pressing into God. We mix God's word with prayer to God and God begins to speak to our hearts. He begins to reveal things to us and we begin to have a greater revelation of who he is. To go through this with you, I've got a definition of revelation that I want to put up on the screen um, real quick. There it is. Hey, revelation, the making known of something that was previously secret or unknown. 
the divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something relating to human existence or the world. I really like number one, the making known of something that was previously secret or unknown. See, as Christians, we are a people of revelation, not the book of revelation, a people of revelation, a people in whom God has made himself known when he was previously not able to be fully known. And when he sent Jesus, Jesus is that revelation. He was that revelation. He was the revelation of the fullness of God and who God is. And so we're able to look at Jesus and know who God is. So we literally are a people of revelation, a people whose eyes have been opened to something that was previously unknown. The Bible even says that the prophets looked, looked into these things and they longed to see what we're able to see. We're able to see the fullness of God in Christ. And so when we look at this, my heart is for us that we would grow in this revelation of who Jesus is, of who God is, and that that would be a catalyst in our life to propel us into the things that God wants us to go after. How many of you want to do the things that God created you to do, right? We don't want to just show up and just, just get, go through the motions. We want to be a people who are pursuing Jesus and doing the things that Jesus has given us to do. And so as we look at these verses, the very first thing you see in verse six is he says, I have revealed you, speaking to the Father, to those whom you gave me. He says, I revealed you. And so we see that Jesus is the revelation. He's saying, I revealed you to the Father. So when we look at Jesus, we're able to understand who the Father is. And so as we look at him, we know about the Father. He reveals himself to us. And as we get to this, I want you to really grab hold of that today. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. And so he's revealed himself and he says, I revealed those, revealed you to those whom you gave me. And then it says, out of the world. He said, I revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. And this is huge because how many of you are glad that Jesus pulled you, called you, brought you out of the world, right? You're glad that Jesus did that for you, that he pulled you out of the bar or out of the club or out of wherever you were, um, out of the addiction, whatever it might have been. He pulled you out of that and he called you into his light. He called you out of death into life. He called you out of existence into true life. He called you out of happiness into real joy. He called you out and then he revealed himself to us. And so the thing I want you to see in this is this first part of this text, Jesus is really praying and talking to God about the first thing that he reveals to us, the first revelation that we have to have, and that's a revelation of God's person, of God himself. And so you see that in this. That he calls us out and he reveals himself. Listen to the next section. He says, they were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. They have obeyed your word. So we see another step in this process of faith. We see that he calls us out. He reveals himself to us. We come to faith in him and then we begin to obey him. See, faith comes before obedience. There's a lot of people in church today who go through the motions of trying to be obedient and trying to alter their behavior when they really had no revelation of the Savior and they never had the heart transformation that goes along with that. And so what we need to see is that faith comes before true obedience to God. Why? Because it's by faith that we receive the Spirit and it's by faith that our heart is transformed. It's by faith then that we become obedient to do the things that God's called us to do. So there's three steps that we've got so far in how Jesus reveals his person to us, how Jesus reveals the father to us. And that is one, we're called out of the world Two, he reveals himself to us in a revelation of himself and of who God is. And three, we take obedient steps of faith. Now listen to this. It says, they've obeyed your word. Now they know what it, that everything you have given me comes from you. 
In other words, they realized that I came from you. They realized that all the miracles came from me. They realized that I came from you. But the interesting word is now. What happened before then, right? Because if now they, they know this, what was it that brought them to this conclusion? I believe it was their obedience. So that they were called out of the world, they became uh, faith, they, they, they gained faith through the revelation of Jesus, they became obedient, and then a greater revelation came. So you need to understand this, you need to get this, grab hold of this, and live by this, that there are certain aspects of God you just can't know and you just can't understand until you become obedient to what he's telling you to do. Because it opens up a new aspect of God. God will never fully understand him. And as we become obedient and we walk and we take our next steps following him, what begins to happen is that we begin to go deeper into God. We begin to go deeper into the gospel. Listen, it doesn't mean that the gospel changes. The gospel doesn't change. We just grow in it. It's not a different gospel. It's just a deeper understanding of the gospel. And we begin to see God more fully. And we begin to know him more fully. And, and as we grow in our knowledge of him, we want him more. See, a lot of times we think about deeper as just having theological knowledge. I don't believe that. Sometimes we can have a lot of theological knowledge and not even have a relationship with God. We can know all about him, but not know him. So if you want to see somebody, in my opinion, who's deep, show me somebody who lives after the image and the example of Jesus. That's a deep Christian. Someone who's living it out, somebody who's walking it out, somebody who's living according to the word. And so he calls us to be obedient and to take these steps of faith because there's some things about God, there's aspects about God we will not understand until we become obedient to what God's called us and told us to do. The next verse says this, for I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty there's a huge word right there. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. And so here's another step in our faith journey that we come to a place of certainty in who Christ is, uncertainty of what God's doing, uncertainty of God's purposes and his plans. Because see, here's how I believe this thing rolls out. I believe that God calls us out of the world. We hear his voice. He reveals himself to us. We become, uh, come to faith in Christ. We become obedient to his word. And then we begin to grow and grow deeper as we take those next steps. And then there's a certainty that comes because we can't, listen, faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's what Romans teaches us. But I believe certainty comes through obedience to God. Because what begins to happen is as you take those steps of obedience, you begin to see God work. Many of us don't know the power of God because we've never put ourselves in a position that the power of God had to show up. Some of us don't know the faithfulness of God because we've never put ourselves in a position where he needed to be faithful. Some of us don't realize God is the provider because we've never trusted him with what we have to see that he can do more with what we have than what we can. And so we have to come to this realization that, again, um, we won't know certain attributes and aspects of him until we're obedient and that certainty comes when we see him work. Let me explain it to you this way. You are sitting in part of my certainty right now. Not this building, but in the gathering of believers. See, I've watched God do something that I couldn't do over the last six and a half years. 
And it came because we were foolish enough just to take some steps of faith. Even when people said it wouldn't work, even when people doubted it, even when people um, ridiculed, even when people put us down, we kept taking steps of faith, kept taking steps of faith. And because of that, not because of us, but because of how good God is, this is what we got to see. We got to see hundreds of salvations. We've got to see hundreds of baptisms. We've got to see hundreds of people recommitting their lives to the Lord. We've gotten to see God glorified, all because we felt like the Lord spoke to our heart told us to do this and told us, do what your hand finds to do. This is what we found to do. And since then, we've watched God work in a mighty and awesome, incredible way. And that gives me certainty that God still speaks to the heart of man. That gives me certainty that God's still alive and still reigning on his throne. That gives me certainty that Jesus still saves. That gives me certainty that God still brings people to himself so that I stand here more certain of who God is, more certain of his purposes, more certain of his plan, and more certain of his power because we took steps of faith to see God work in our lives. And then, and then not to mention watching God provide for us when we finally went into ministry. I knew for all these years that I felt called to ministry. We finally took a step of faith to go into ministry. Uh, this is over 10 years ago now took a step of faith to go into ministry, sold a business that was doing well, uh, took a two-thirds pay cut uh, to be able to do this, to be able to come into ministry and do, and do what I felt God was calling us to do. And yet we never missed a payment. We never missed anything. We never, never, he provided everything that we need to do what he called us to do. That's an amazing God. See, that brings certainty as to who God is and what he can do when you begin to take steps of faith and you begin to see his power work in your life. That's what God does. That's how he works. And so I want you to see this. As Jesus is praying this, and he's talking about what the disciples have done and who he's been to these disciples, he called them out of the world. Number one, he revealed himself and revealed the Father to them through a revelation of who the Father is. He became, he, they became obedient to the word. They became uh, more uh, deeper in the gospel. They began to see him more. They gained uh, a greater revelation of who he is as they took those steps of obedience. And then there was a greater certainty, as Jesus said, they knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. Verse nine, I think is somewhat of a transitional statement. The very first part there, it says, I pray for them. So he's telling us who he's praying for. Listen to this. This is kind of catches you off guard at first. It says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you've given me. And when I first read that, um, I remember reading it and thinking, that's kind of selfish, right? Why is he praying for the world? Isn't he the savior of the world? But I began to see the second thing that God reveals to us. The first is his person. The second one is his purpose. I began to understand this, to see this, that what he's praying for is that these 11 disciples would accomplish the purpose for which he had for them, because if they didn't accomplish their purpose, the world couldn't know the Savior. See, Jesus leaves the earth. There's 120 scared people sitting in a room by themselves wondering what in the world is going to happen. He left the, 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 the world to be evangelized by 120 failures, um, 120 people who had denied him, 120 people who didn't look like much, 120 people who didn't seem to have a lot of potential, 120 people who didn't seem to have a lot of influence. He, he left it to them and he said, now y'all go and spread this into all the world. Tell the whole world about who I am. I am. Tell the whole world about the Savior of the world. And so Jesus is praying for them that his purpose would be fulfilled in them. You know, Jesus is still praying that prayer for us. 
that we would fulfill the purpose that he's given us, that we would do the things that he's called us to do. The Bible goes on and it says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. He says, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. It's showing the intimacy that the father and son share, the oneness that they have. And he says, so basically all I have is yours, all you have is mine, and listen, glory has come to me through them. That was another sentence that really caught my attention because I began to think about this. How in the world did glory come to Jesus through those disciples up to this point in time? They hadn't done anything, right? Except ask a bunch of stupid questions and to get into little spats and arguments that Jesus had to step in between them. But then I started realizing that Jesus was glorified not by just the things that they did, but by the revelation that they had. See, they understood who he was. And just the fact that they knew him brought him glory. The other aspect of that is that Jesus doesn't just look at us where we are. Jesus sees who will become. And see, it wouldn't be long before these disciples were leading a new movement throughout the world, a, a, a continuum, actually a continuation of a movement that Jesus had begun. And they'd be glorifying him as they went throughout the earth, as they went to, from, from uh, town to town and from area to area, spreading the gospel. They were going to bring him glory. See, here's some good news for us today. God doesn't just look at where we are. He looks at where we're going. He doesn't just see us as we are. He sees the potential potential in our lives and he sees the, 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 the fulfillment of that in our lives. And so he calls us out and he calls us to move forward. Thank God he doesn't leave us where we are. How many of you want to get better, right? How many of you want to, want to be more like Christ? Amen. Yes. We want to be more like him. We want to act, act more like him. We want to think more like him. We want to um, even uh, just live our life more like him. Thank God he doesn't leave us where we are, but he moves us along this continuum growing in his likeness so that we can spread his word throughout the world, so that we can fulfill the purpose that he has for our life. And so we see in this prayer that Jesus is praying and he's praying about the fact that he's revealed the person of Jesus. We see now that he's revealed the purpose of Jesus, that we would bring him glory. See, God calls us to something and he calls us for something. He calls us to life, real life, not just existing in this world. If you're tired of just existing, then come to the one who can give life, Jesus. But he calls us to something and that is life. And he also calls us for something. And that's this purpose of spreading his glory around the world. That's been the purpose from the beginning. In the beginning, when he created man, he said, now be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And what he wanted to do, he wanted to fill it with his glory. We were made in his likeness. He wanted his glory to be spread around the world, around the earth, that everything would proclaim his glory. That hasn't changed. It's still the same today, that you and I would be people who've been remade in the image of Jesus, new life. See, the new revelation of who Jesus is that brings new life to us is when we say we're born again into a new life, that that new life then begins to be lived out of us and it begins to spread his glory throughout the world. It says in verse 11, I'll remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you. And so he's telling them basically, I'm about to leave. I'm about to go. I'm going to leave them here, Father. I'm about to leave them. And he says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, 
so that they may be one as we are one. The next thing that he's revealing and the next thing that we need to have a revelation of is the revelation of his power. He's talking about the power of his name and he's praying that they would be protected. He knew that difficult days were coming and he prayed for the Father's protection, but more than physical protection, he prayed that that revelation of who he is, that they wouldn't walk away from it, that the world and the pressures of the world wouldn't make them turn and walk away or put it to the side. He prayed that Satan wouldn't be able to come and rob what had been sown and what had been planted. And he's saying, Father, if you will protect him. See, we should take um, a lot of strength from this because it shows us our security in God because just as Jesus didn't lose anyone, neither does the father lose anyone. So when we're in Christ, we are secure, not just for today and not just for tomorrow, not just for next week or not just for next year, but for all eternity, we are in the hands of a loving father who cares for us. And so we see that he begins to pray and he prays for them to be protected by the power of his name. He says, the name you gave me. And when he prays that they be protected by the, his name, it's not saying like the name of Brandon or even just the name of Jesus. See, the name of Jesus isn't just a name. It incorporates everything that Jesus is. And so when he says name, what he's meaning is all of your attributes, all of your power, everything that you are, God, um, just as I have used that same power um, and that same those same attributes. God, this is what I'm asking you to do. Would you protect them in the same way that, you've, that I've protected them? Father, would you take care of them? And he's praying that for them. Because see, there's two enemies that we have that we cannot defeat on our own. This is one of the things that we have a, a common struggle with. We cannot defeat these two enemies. One is death. So far, that's 100%. Well, there are two in the Bible. But other than that, it's 100%. Right? And the other one's evil. We've all got our own evil, our own sin that we deal with. But see, here's the good news. Jesus has been victorious over both of those. His power has been victorious over death. It's been victorious over evil. And so now we know this. We have a Savior who not only has overcome death and sin, but we have a Savior who's able to rescue us from it as well because he has dominion over those things. He's been seated high above those things. He has won the victory over those things, so we're able to be set free in those things. So we need to see his power is great. He tells us here that there's some things that happen when his power's moving in our lives. The very first one is this. It says that, they, that he's praying that the power of his name would protect them so that they may be one as we are one. He's saying, let them be unified. When God's power begins to move, uh, people begin to be unified. When that revelation begins to come to people, we begin to be unified. And I want to tell you guys today, listen to me. We're unified around a, a revelation of who God is. We're unified around Jesus, the person of Christ. That's what the church is. That's who the church is, is a, a people who are bound together by the Holy Spirit around this common revelation, this common revelation of a Savior who overcame death and who overcame sin, and he rescues us from it as well. And so I want you to see that. I want you to understand that because we're not called to be um, gathered around a style of music. We're not called to be gathered around a style of clothes that we wear to church. We're not called to be gathered around um, some... some uh, color of skin or, or some other type of uh, um, socioeconomic gathering. That's not what we're called to be. In fact, when this church starts looking the same, when everybody in here starts looking alike, then we're in big time trouble. 
We're called to be a people who are gathered around one thing, and that's the revelation of who Jesus is. That's the revelation of Christ and the gospel of Jesus. And so when his power comes, we begin to see unity come. When that revelation comes, we begin to see unity come. And unity is, is, is caused by the power of God, but unity also is a way that we are actually experience the power of God. Verse 12 says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. Another thing we see that happens through the power of God, we begin to see how God gives us perseverance through difficult times. He says, not one of them turned away, not one of them left except the one who was destined for that according to the scriptures, the one who sold him out, the one who um, went and and paid uh, for his life with 30 pieces of silver, Judas. And so we see that he gives us perseverance through his power. The The third one, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that you may have the full measure of my joy within them. And so he's praying for our joy. And the realization of it is this, that, that tough times were coming. But he's saying, I'm praying, Lord, that they would, Father, that they would have joy, that they would have joy in their hearts. It tells me that there's a joy that's greater than my circumstances. It tells me that God's power is able to override even the things I'm going through. It doesn't mean we don't have troubled hearts. It just means that when we do have troubled hearts, God's able to calm them. God's able to speak peace when there is no peace. God's able to work, work in our lives when it seems that there's nowhere to go. In fact, I've kind of learned that what, usually what looks like a dead end is just a new beginning with God. Because he's about to do something different. He's about to make a way where there was no way. And so we see his power at work. We see him moving and we can see that this joy that he gives us is something that's beyond us. We were going out to eat one night. I'll never forget this. And um, we're going to eat. And I have a tendency to be moody. I don't know, any other moody people in here? You can admit it. Yeah, a bunch of y'all liars. Um, And uh, we're going out to eat and we're about to walk into a restaurant and my dad looked at me, he goes, Brandon, you can't go in. Why? He said, this sign says it's happy hour, right? <laughs> I was like, dang, you know, my own dad taking a jab at me, right? And so, um, but, but yeah, I mean, but, but there's a joy that comes in the Lord. I think many times we don't have that joy simply because we don't, we, we forget what he's done. We forget who he is. We lose our remembrance of who he is and what he's done for us. The next section says this, and so here's the thing that we've seen. We've seen this, that God gives us a revelation of who he is. We see that God gives us a revelation of his purpose for our lives, and we see that God gives us a revelation of his power that we live from, and we enact that power through faith and acting out and taking our next steps. The next section says that my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What's he mean by sanctify them? What's he mean by not of the world, but they're in the world. Don't take them out of the world, leave them in the world, but they're not of the world. The world's gonna hate them, but they they hated me. But what's he mean by that? When something's sanctified, it means it's set apart. We use a word in church called sanctification, where we are set apart to become more like Christ. 
And as we're sanctified, um, Jesus is taking us, he's setting us apart for a work. It doesn't just mean purity or just mean living holy, but what it means is um, all of that, but it also means a life that's wholly devoted to God. A life that's not compartmentalized, but a life that where God has everything, where it all belongs to him, where he calls the shot, where he's truly the Lord of our lives. And so as we look at this, that's what Jesus was praying for. And we see this, he begins to reveal his plan. And so I told you he reveals who he is, his person, he reveals his purpose, he reveals his power, and now we see that he reveals his plan. As we look at that, I want you to understand he wants your life set apart for him. He doesn't want a part of your life, he doesn't want a part of my life, he wants the whole thing, a life wholly devoted for him, to him. And see, it's a lack of trust that on our part when we think that we can do better with a part of our life than God can. God can do much more with all of us than we could ever do with all of us. What areas are we holding back? Is our life wholly devoted to him? Does he have all of us is a question. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. See here he's saying, I'm sanctifying myself. I've set myself apart for a specific work. And that specific work that I've set myself apart for is the work of the cross. And I'm going to the cross and I'm gonna give my life so that they can have life. I'm going to the cross, I'm gonna take their sin upon myself so that they can be made righteous. I'm going to the cross, I'm gonna take their sin upon me. I'm gonna be punished for their sin so that your wrath, Father, would no longer be upon them. I've set myself apart to, to be their rescuer to be their savior, to be their salvation. And so we see that Jesus set himself apart so that we could then be truly sanctified, that our lives could be truly set apart, that we could truly experience the Holy Spirit, that we could truly come boldly before the throne of grace, that we could truly know him, not just have to play games in church and act like we got it all together when we know we don't. We not just come to church and put on the right clothes or put on the right lingo and act like everything's fine, but we can truly be set apart and saved. We can be transparent with our faith because it's real. It's not something we just pretend about. It's something that we actually live out. It's something that's actually changed our heart. And so we're sanctified, we're set apart, being made holy, but wholly devoted to him. And that's what he calls us to. That's what he wants for us, is to be wholly devoted followers of Jesus. And I would ask you if that's where you are today. See, see a wholly devoted follower of Christ is not radical Christianity. That's Christianity. Wholly devoted to Jesus, following with everything that we have, laying everything at his feet. That's not radical, that's just normal Christianity. It's not just showing up for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. It's not just putting on the right face. It's not playing the right church games. That's not Christianity. See, that can't give you life. Only a relationship with Jesus can give you life. But I fear that many of us have become confused about what it is to be a follower of Jesus. That we've gotten confused about what that means, about the fact that, that it's not just showing up on Sunday. It's not just showing up every now and then. It's not just showing up when you don't have anything better to do. It's not just showing up to a connect group or even showing up to serve. It's, it's fully following Jesus with everything that you have. And see, Jesus today wants us to be wholly 
devoted followers of himself. But here's the question, are we? Are you? Am I? And if not, the good news is that God's still revealing himself to people. He's still revealing Christ or himself to people through Christ. See, when people come to know Jesus as their savior and they come to know the Father, it's because the Father revealed the Son through the Holy Spirit. It works that way. That's how God does it. And maybe today is the day that you say, God has opened my eyes to see a reality that I have not necessarily seen before. A reality that I need to give everything I have to him as the Lord and savior of my life. In other words, that today would be the day of salvation for you. Maybe you've played the games and done the right things, but you realize my heart's never belonged to him. I've never fully devoted myself to Jesus. I've never said, Lord, here I am, take me. I'm yours. You never made him the Lord of your life. Many times we love the savior aspect of Christ, but we don't necessarily really like the Lordship. Well, you don't do one without the other when it comes to salvation. So today, if you're here, and today is the day of salvation for you, a day to celebrate life, going from death, spiritual death to spiritual life, a new birth, a new beginning in Christ. If today's that day for you, the day of salvation, the Lord's knocking on the door of your heart and you can feel him calling your name, calling you and revealing himself to you. And today you say yes to that opportunity. I'm gonna ask you to be very bold. I'm gonna ask you to do this for me. Would you, would you stand to your feet? If today's the day of salvation and you say yes to him for the first time in your life and you say, yes, I want more of him. I wanna know him. I don't have a relationship with him, but I want one. And maybe your heart's beating 100 miles an hour, but you need to stand to your feet. You need to respond. You need to say yes right now. Amen. Miss Vivian's gonna pray with you if that's okay. Thank you, amen. Who else? All right. Amen. Praise God. You can come on up, honey. Get Raven to pray with you if you don't mind. Anybody else? I can do this all day. That's why we do what we do, right? Anybody else? All right. Well, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna close out in prayer. But maybe today, your heart is saying what we were singing. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of you. All I want is you. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to act on that. Take a step of faith. You can come to the front and you can pray and our prayer team will pray for you. We'll, we'll, we'll seek God with you. That's what this is about. That's why the name of the series is Together. It's so that we can, we're seeking God together, going after God together, going after a vision together that God's given us. So I'm going to pray. Today you need to come and 
Lay that before the Lord. Lord, I want more of you. Fill me. Give me more of you. And I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat while I'm praying and you come and you spend time with the Lord and our prayer team will be here to meet you. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your love and your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you that we get to behold with our eyes the salvation of people, God, that you work in our midst. Lord, I pray for people here today who want more. If you give them the courage to take a step of faith today, just to come and get on their face before you and cry out to you, God, that they want more of you. God, I, I know that we can't be fully functioning until our hearts are healed, until you begin to put them in the men, on the men, God. So I pray that you begin to do that in us. And Jesus, continue to reveal yourself to us. Continue to reveal your, who you are, your person. Continue to reveal your purpose. Continue to reveal your plan. And continue to reveal your power in our hearts that we would go after those things, Lord, after you. And God, make our hearts cry truly. All we want is you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Father, thank you. Amen.